0: The Social Work Planet podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land. We are grateful to be on this beautiful land of the people of the Kule Nation on which we record this podcast. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. We also recognize and respect the dignity and uniqueness of each individual. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hi everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Social Work Planet podcast. I'm Veronica Charles. Today, Erica and I are so honoured to have Dr. Marcelo Magitman with us.
1: Marcelo is currently the course coordinator of the Master of Social Work course at Monash University. He also has his own private practice in counselling. Welcome to our podcast, Marcelo. How are you today?
2: Oh, thanks for having me, Erica and Veronica. I'm so pleased to be here. I'm doing well and I hope you're doing too.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited and I think our listeners are also looking forward to hearing about your social work journey and your social work career experience. Um, Would you like to start off by sharing with us a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a social worker?
2: Okay, uh, let's dive into that. I'll, I'll, I've done many things in, in my life but I'll I'll stay with the most important ones for this conversation. You know that I'm Brazilian. I was Mm. born and raised in in Sao Paulo, back in in Brazil, my home country. I hold uh, a strong background in philosophy, a bachelor, a master, and a PhD in philosophy and uh, training as as a counselor. Uh, My business partner and probably my mentor is a Jungian psychologist with whom I shared over 20 years of private practice Um, and lastly since I've moved to to Australia I've completed a master of social work formalizing my social work education as well so probably this is the most important thing for this conversation.
0: (laughs) Yeah that sounds like a very great and impressive journey from getting your doctorate in philosophy and establishing a private practice and then coming here to Australia and completing your master's in social work. That is such an amazing journey to hear. And I would like to know more about your social work career pathway, like the different fields of practice that you have worked in or you are currently working at.
2: Okay. Look, in in my private practice uh, that I'm still attending clients online from all over the world, thanks to technology, my main experience is as a counsellor dealing with mental health issues, relationship and family issues, drug and alcohol grief and loss but most um, the most important one the most uh, interesting area that I like working with is existential counseling I uh, what I l- really like is to get into the let's say the radical questions on the meaning of life what is happiness how to deal with death and, and so forth in Australia my experience started with an IMI national uh, residential mental health, service for youth people between 16 and 25 years of age running groups and and individual counseling as well. Then I moved to Monash Health where I used to work as a drug and alcohol counselor doing assessment, treatment, referrals especially for mandated clients from the legal system. Um, I also consider a great part of my career my volunteer activity in the aged care sector. I used to volunteer in the largest hospital and aged care facility in Sao Paulo for over 25 years where I learned a lot. Uh, it's part of my, my training as a, as a social worker and finally as an educator I've been in academia for a long time which is also part of my social work journey and now at Monash University where I'm teaching and I'm the course coordinator.
1: Well, that's a really very extensive experience you have had in the social work field, like working as a counselor with youth um, to volunteering in the aged care setting as well, and now also as a course coordinator to change social work. Um, So just want to know more about your experience in different fields of practice. Would you like to share what your day-to-day activities look like in different fields of practice with us?
2: Oh, look, we can, we can talk about my daily life. There is no routine in social workers. probably most of the social workers uh, listening to these podcasts can testify there is no uh, typical day in, in our lives. But what I can share, in general, I see my online clients on a weekly basis. Um, but my main activity at the moment is as an educator and, and researcher at Monash, where I teach uh, foundations of social work practice, mostly counseling skills, assessments, and uh, I use a lot of simulations, as you know. Uh, I also teach longevity and elective unit in, in aged care. And uh, apart from that, I have uh, a heavy load as a Master of Social Work course coordinator, uh, which currently takes most of my time between admins admin tasks and dealing with students as well so this is my current life but i have many differences if i if i compare my life when i was doing counseling for example uh in drug and alcohol here for monash health it was a very different day going into um uh, a rehab facility and doing assessment or in a, a counselling room, uh, my life was way different or going to court uh, with, with a client. So it's, it's a very different one. It depends on the type of activity that I was doing at the moment. My life was way, way different. This is how it looks like at the moment.
0: It is really great hearing about how different your day-to-day activities look like in the different fields of practice. As you have mentioned, I'm sure being a social worker, no two days would be the same in our day-to-day activities. And especially right now, having to work with clients, mostly online. So how would you say your experience working with clients online has been? And do you find it to be as effective as working with clients in person?
2: firstly when i moved to australia one of the things that i thought having this private practice running for a long time you know people you you, you're there you see them they come to you 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 are in the same room and you have all this information that comes from um non-verbal behavior and you you're in the same room it's different so i thought first of all well Am I going to be able to do this online all the time? I used to have some clients online there as well, but not most of my clients. So that was one of my concerns. The other concern was, well, they're going to forget me because over the years, uh, moving away, they're not going to find you. How can you properly establish a relationship with someone that you've never seen before in your life? Most of my clients during these recent years Are people that I've never seen before. I've never been in the same room with them. And I can testify that um, it is as effective as if I was with them in the same room because you have other, um, you use other counseling skills, you use technology on your favor. Sometimes by not being in the same room, sometimes by not sharing the same type of experience with them gives them uh, an opportunity to, to share with you in a different, I'll give you an example. I, I remember uh, it, it's a different thing. It's not an online thing, but I think we'll kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say. I remember that um, one of the tasks that I had while I was working for NEMA National here with the youth people was driving them to different appointments. And I one of the things that I saw was if you want to have a difficult conversation with a young person, one of the good things is try to go for a walk or in that case, driving them to an appointment because they don't have to look at you. And just by not having to look at you, they are more comfortable in sharing some of the things that they, they're willing to share. If you're sitting them with them in the same room in a counseling room that would be more difficult for them. Kind of a similar situation happens online. The fact that people are really far away from you, that distance puts less pressure on them, so they are willing to share with you all the things that they would probably not share with you uh, if you're sitting beside them. So I think it's as effective. You have some issues with them, for example, uh counseling over the phone or SMS, you don't have all the skills that you can show, but you have all this. So it depends on the type of the therapeutic alliance that you build with the client. The the stronger is the relationship, the more genuine is the relationship, the most effective it is.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really fascinating to hear that it's like as effective as face-to-face counselling. Just wondering, as you have mentioned, there are different clients you have worked with. Um, have there been any differences you have observed between different age groups of clients uh, when you are providing counselling to them?
2: Well, first of all, the type of language that you use, they're very, very different. For example, uh, I, I can sound very kind of an old person for a young person. Uh, and it's similar when you're in class, when you're teaching, because most of the, the, the students are from young age. The average population is, is way younger. Um, when you have a client, I I have a lot of uh, old people as clients because it's part of my, my career dealing with aged care. So I can't use the same language. I can't use the same examples, the same metaphors. I I can't use the same things with them. So I have to adjust the the discourse. But one thing is to adjust my, my speech, my interaction with them, but being genuine, being myself, being the same identity. So that's the main challenge. How can you be yourself with the same style, but adjusting the language, the timing, or allowing them more time? For example, you go in a different pace. If you talk with older people you go in in a different speed and a different pace in in that conversation so there are small things that you need to adjust but it's really hard to classify people in a general sense people are individuals Um, I I wouldn't like to make big statements like with an older person you treat them this way with a young person you treat them that way that varies a lot depending on the person you have in front of you so the, the most important thing I think for me is to be curious, to be open, to know that person the way they are, regardless of their age. There are some adjustments in general, but I think it, it prepares you for the first couple of minutes in the session. Then when you know them, you get to know them, you adjust yourself.
0: The point you have mentioned about being yourself is definitely very important And especially because we want to build good rapport with our clients and make them feel comfortable working with us. Um, Is there a particular experience or important thing you would like to share with us in terms of working with clients from different age groups?
2: Uh, Look, I think one of the most important things that I find is um, the nonverbal skills are the ones that I, I don't know, I I I value a lot because using the right tone of voice, using um, space between you and and the client, um, paying attention to your body language and their body language as well. um, These are things, they they, they don't vary a lot in terms of age groups, but I think paying attention to them, they are probably 70, 80% of your communication with the client. So regardless of the language that you're using, the spoken language, uh, you have this non-verbal skills happening all the time. I'm, as a very typical Latin person, I speak with my hands. If you tie my hands, it, it will be very difficult for me to have a conversation. And sometimes this is not appropriate, depending on the type of client that you have in front of you. It's not it doesn't depend on the, the, the age group, but it depends mostly on the, the cultural um, background of that client. What's the, time, the, the, the sort of relationship that you're going to build with them by using your hands or by using your eyebrows or you using your tone of voice or your silence as well. So these, I think, are the most important things. And going back to the question about online, this is one of the main challenges because having silence over the phone or over Zoom or Skype, whatever, is one thing. The other thing is when you have a person in front of you looking at you uh, and seeing the entire picture. For example, it's, it's hard for me from a distance to know, are they fidgety if they're not showing there in, in the on the screen? I can't see it. So the, the, these are some of the challenges that we have. So we have to use all the skills.
1: Yeah, it's quite difficult to use nonverbal skills online or over the phone. And um, so what would you say um, would be something helpful for social work students or new social work graduates who would be like meeting their clients online?
2: Look, I think there are three things here. Practice, practice, and practice. <laughs> this is the main uh, think that i can say the only way you will improve especially counseling uh, practice is by practicing there's no other way you can also learn by observing other people doing experienced practitioners uh, in the field or i don't know watching lots of uh, clips and uh, discussing whatever they're all important but I think practicing, diving into that experience, allowing yourself to make some mistakes, learning with the clients, asking for feedback. Um, this is the most important thing in, in your social work career as, as a counselor. And doing this online, I, I always try to act in a natural way as if I was there with the client. I don't pretend to, to do something different because... Look, I have what I have in front of me facing a screen. I don't have anything else. So this is what I have. I'll work with this. If the client is showing something that I can't see and I need to ask a question, I ask them. What, what else can I do? I think the clients are ready to trust you if you're genuine, if you really care about them. And they feel it right away. So regardless of being online or being offline, over the phone, texting the client, they know when you're with them 100%.
0: Practice is definitely key. I I think the more we learn and the more we experience, the more confidence we will feel when working with clients. Mm. Absolutely. Moving on to another question, which is, what are or were some of the highlights of your social work career? Because you've had such an amazing and vast experience. So I'm sure there are a lot, but um, is there anything in particular that you would like to share with us?
2: Oh, well, look, if I take my current position, that is most of the part teaching or in academia, what I really enjoy is the contact with students. Um, to see them growing from day one to the end of, of their course. I have some great Emotional moments of seeing people showing their skills or establishing relationship with clients, applying theories into practice. You know, uh, I also love students uh, come to me and share when they've got a job and they're starting a new uh, social work journey, a new career. Uh, I like doing supervision uh, on their placements or being the university liaison. Um There is also another group of uh, experienced practitioners that we have in the course. They're already working in the field, but they're taking the course to have a formal degree in in their career. I love learning with them and discussing topics uh, in the course with them as well. So this is in, in terms of my career as an educator in social work. These are the main highlights, seeing growth all day long and over the years. But I have many, um, I'm so privileged I have fortunate moments in my career as a counselor, seeing people growing, uh, getting out of the dark uh, space and, and flourishing into their lives. This is the type of thing that I really like. And having that relationship for a long time, in my private practice, I used, usually have people coming and going for 15, 20 years, the same people with different issues in their lives making different choices and they come to you again. So it, it's really interesting when you meet someone again in a different stage in their lives and they trust you again to make another decision into their lives. So that this is the type of thing that I like.
1: It could really be a rewarding experience seeing your clients grow in their life as a counsellor and also seeing social work students forage in their social work journey as an educator. Um, as you have a wide range of experiences, um, were there any like challenging moments that you would like to share with us?
2: Oh look, um, by moving uh, to Australia, if I think about the most recent ones, that was my biggest challenge I ever faced in, in my life. Imagining, just imagine for a moment building a career for 20 years or a little bit more than that, and being known, having a large network, and all of a sudden you move with your family and become no one.
0: <laughs> that was
2: the biggest challenge that I faced, uh, having to practice first in a different language. English is my third language. Then to teach at a postgraduate level, with all the differences in culture as well, that was probably my main uh, challenge. The other thing was to juggle between my private practice in Brazil during the night, due to the time differences that we have uh, with, with Brazil, and studying and working in Melbourne during the day. This went for about two years. And fortunately, I managed to settle down and find my way And I believe the main incentives for that was having my family with me, seeing my my wife and my son flourishing as well. That was really great to see them. But I had, look, uh, before that in in my career as a counselor, I had many different challenges from people uh, sharing with you difficult things and uh, being not responsible for their choices, but responsible to, for looking after them and, and providing the best service possible in extreme situations. So I have lots of them uh, in my life, but I think the, the most recent one was my move to Australia.
1: That's a really big challenge in life. And as an international student, I can also relate to that like moving to a whole new environment and beginning a new journey could be really challenging. Um, have there been any particular coping strategies that you found to be really helpful and that you can share with us?
2: Oh, look, I have lots of them. I'm, um, I think I have this gift of being a very calm person across my life. Not, I, I didn't become a social worker and then all of a sudden I became someone calm I was calm before that and that led me into this type of profession, counseling, social work and so forth. So I'm, I'm gifted in a way. I've, I've received this for free in, in my life. But at the same time, when you hear difficult things, when you when people share with you the most intimate secrets that they have in their lives, difficult situations, you have to put in place some strategies. And um in my case, this is very personal, but in my case, I use a lot of breathing exercises mm. and I, I try to be gentle with myself doing the things that I like the most. For example, I love cooking. I cook every day in, in my life, mm. every day. I like I like fresh food and I enjoy doing things with my hands <laughs> that I don't have to think. I just watch them being transformed, being uh, different from what I put it in the oven and then uh, enjoying uh, eating as well. So eating, uh, cooking is part of my coping mechanism as well. I go for walk. I, I walk something like an hour a day to clear my mind and to put my thoughts in in place. And I I also enjoy between music and reading, uh, most of the times, one of them will work for me and will calm me down. And if I need some space in my mind, they will work with me, especially fictional books. I'm not talking about technical books or things like this. I'm talking about fiction, poetry, things like this. They usually calm me and music. There is no day that I, I don't listen to music in my life. There are lots of different other different things in in my life, but these are the main ones. I play saxophone as well, so it's part of the music uh, coping mechanism.
0: Wow, that's very nice to know about different self-care strategies that you use. And I think definitely as social workers, it's important for us to find different ways we can implement self-care strategies in our lives. And I would also like to touch on a point that you mentioned earlier where you were juggling between your private practice back in Brazil and managing your work and studies here in Australia. We know many students who juggle working and studying at the same time. And so is there any particular advice in time management that you would like to share with us?
2: Oh, that's a very difficult tip because people tend to think that I'm, first of all, that I'm very organized. And people think that I'm I'm very, I don't know, Um I don't even know the word. It's productive or something like that. First of all, I am a mess. I am not organized. I had to train myself to be organized. I'm naturally a disorganized person. And um, if you saw my desk, it's a disaster. But at the same time, I had to learn how to be organized, how to deliver things, and do many things at the same time, because I had to, I had no other choice in in my life. So one of the things that I try to do is to get rid of all the difficult things that I need to do right away. If there are some some things that I don't like doing, I try to do them first, because then I'll have time to enjoy the other things and dive into them with more time, more energy. Because if you're tired and you still have to go through things that you don't like, you won't have the energy to overcome them. So I try to do them first. Mm. So I get rid of them. Uh, People have these long to-do lists. I hate those lists in my life. I try to get rid of them even before they become a list to me. (laughs) So it's just, I think it's the, the main thing is to separate the priorities. What is a priority in your life? What is that you need to do first? really and just get rid of them then you go into the other things but it's it's not i'm not sharing any wisdom here i don't i'm not really an example of that i'm just productive that's all but i'm not organized i'm not (laughs) don't take any advice from me into that space
1: No, no. Thank you so much for sharing. That's very interesting. Like um, you said that like do all the stuff that you don't really like to do first, and then so that you can get your day done, so that you have more time to enjoy yourself. That's a really, really good advice for us. I believe like a lot of us might tend to um, do things that we think oh we like to do are easier first, and then we just keep pushing back those we want to procrastinate, and that's really interesting. Thank you so much for
0: sharing. Um, I agree. Thank you so much. sharing that that amazing advice like i i do feel like although you said that it might not be very helpful but i think it is very helpful as well (laughs) to uh hear that so thank you for sharing that and um so moving to the next part so um what do you like most about being a social worker
2: Mm, that's a very good question (laughs) um look i think the most important thing for me that a social worker a social work career allows me to do is to build relationships. Some of the the relationships are with clients, some of them with students, many of them with my colleagues as well. And at the same time, social work gives me an opportunity to exercise uh, in practice the values that I carry the most with me. I'm talking about equality, human rights, freedom, diversity, social inclusion, I like being part of people's journeys, uh, mostly in their individual lives. I'm not particularly a structural change person. Um, I live with kind of the motto of my Jewish ancestors, you change the world by changing one person's life. There are people who make structural systemic changes, and I profoundly admire them. But I'm not that capable. My strain, my main strength, is the one on one relationship. That's what I like the most. And the the social work career in general allows me to put in practice.
1: Yeah, I also really enjoy building relationships with people. But sometimes it might be tricky, like managing professional boundaries. Um, Would you like to talk a bit about how you manage professional boundaries with your clients?
2: Uh, look, sometimes this is difficult because uh, people tend to project on you. We're talking about transference and counter transfers as well. So it's, it's kind of a discipline that you have to maintain how much you're going to share with them about you, about your life, or ask out of curiosity some of the things that Is part of their lives that you don't need to know. It's just that you're curious about and you you ask them. So you have to be very disciplined to know what's the main purpose of me asking that question or sharing something personal with them. Is it going to be for the benefit of the client or is it out of my, am I satisfying my curiosity? So what I try to maintain is what's the main purpose? I always ask myself, what's the purpose of that? asking the question or sharing something that's the main the leading uh, guide that i have into my practice the purpose what what is what is that for and if the answer is something kind of tricky or not particularly very clear i tend to avoid step back and think again well i'll allow me more time to think and then i'll go or or I'll I'll give up asking that question or sharing something that isn't appropriate. It's a very fine line and it's difficult to establish. There is no clear answer. There's no mathematical answer for that saying, well, avoid this or do that because it will change with each and every client. And even with the same client, it will change depending on the day or the type of the moment of the relationship that you have with them. So there is no recipe for them. One thing I want to say is, and it's it's probably something risky to say, but I trust my intuition. I I clearly believe in intuition and <laughs> I trust it in my life. When you feel something, it's not smelling right, or if you feel like, well, there's something there behind those words that I have to inquire a little bit more, or this is the type of topic that I I probably need to avoid these are the things that you're not going to see in any book you're not going to see in any training it's it's just it comes with practice and it Mm. comes with observing other people doing then you you learn and you understand well i get it Mm. and it just comes with practice knowing them and but most most importantly knowing yourself Mm.
1: exactly Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, it's really practice makes perfect. And um, just before we wrap up this conversation, do you have some advice or words of encouragement that you would like to give social work students and social workers in their early careers?
2: I saw that coming. (laughs) (laughs) This is the type of question people tend to ask. Um, Look, even though we tend not to give advice to clients, uh, here I am uh, throwing words on you, uh, but here we go. I, I don't care. So firstly, um, be open to the unknown. Don't be picky or afraid to try new areas, new fields of practice. I see people come to their first or second placements with their minds set up on one into one particular field or one particular activity that they would like to to pursue, Um, someone to work in a hospital setting, others in child protection, whatever. What I would say is allow yourself to be surprised. Let your curiosity lead you into different lanes. The same with your first jobs in social work. Try and try again. Don't be fixed into something. Just allow them to surprise you. Secondly, um, keep yourself learning. A degree is just the start. It's not the end of the journey. People and communities evolve. And so we should, together with them, we should develop ourselves the same way. So searching for more education, research, training, there are ways to maintain you alive in the profession that changes every day. Finally, probably, I have loads of things to say, but this is enough. Uh, Don't underestimate, and that goes back to your question before, don't underestimate the importance of self-care and the power of supervision, both of them together. Having clear boundaries, knowing your limits, and having the right people with you will make your social work career not only easier, but more rewarding and pleasurable as well, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Marcella, for sharing with us your words of advice and words of encouragement. I'm sure it is definitely helpful for social work students and also social workers in their early careers. Personally, for me as well, these words of encouragement would really help me in my future as a social worker. We have definitely gained a lot of insights from your social work experience during our conversation. It has been so great knowing more about yourself, your experience becoming a social worker and your social work journey. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, yes, I agree with Veronica. Thank you so much, Marcelo, for sharing with us and being our guest today. It has really been a great pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much.
2: Well, mine, but my absolute pleasure being the number one in this show. And good luck with the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our Apple Podcast. Spotify and YouTube channel and turn on the notification of our channel so that you won't miss out on the latest episodes. If you enjoy this podcast, feel free to leave a five-star rating or a review. It will really help this podcast to reach more people. Follow and get in touch with us on our Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Don't forget to tune in once every two months to listen to us and experienced social workers talking about all things related to social work. Take care and stay safe.